Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan and this is DCI number 111. Today Brian and I have something very special for you and that is Star Wars. In this interview we are talking to John Rod who is the mixing and mastering engineer on Star Wars Battlefront. So for the next hour or so just sit back, relax, and enjoy some good Star Wars and audio engineering conversation. If you want to find out more about Star Wars or what John Rod does, then head on over to darkstation.com where you can find links in the show notes to this episode. We hope you had a happy holidays and happy new year and happy Star Wars. So as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Now on with the show. So, uh, so yeah, we'll kick things off. John? Thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast tonight. How are you doing? Great. I'm so glad to be with uh, you guys. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. It's, uh, it is a treat for us uh, being in in high Star Wars mode as as we are uh, with the you know the movie being released this past weekend and all other kinds of, of crazy Star Wars things. Uh, I've been staring at the uh, the Disney Infinity stuff all day long on Amazon going, is it worth spending like $120 to be able to play this game just for some Star Wars goodness? And I, <laughs> I have not pulled the trigger yet, but I, I have a feeling it's coming at some point down the road. <laughs> but um, but you were the uh, the sound mixer, correct, on Star Wars Battlefront. That's the, uh, how, the, um, what is uh, the official uh, title that you hold? Official title, yes. The uh, original score, um, <clears throat> we can dive into the details, but yes, uh, my, my, my official title is Original Score Mixing and Mastering. Okay. And the original score for EA Star Wars Battlefront was composed by Cordy Hab. And uh, we can talk more about you know what he had to do and my part of that. But uh, just music. I'm very lucky. I've made a career my whole life of, of really focusing on music and not dialogue and not sound effects. Okay. Fantastic, fantastic. So I, I guess let's talk a little bit about what you do, um, you know, in in other video games and you know television shows and movies across the board. Uh, what does your career kind of entail? With I, I know you do mixing, you do uh, some composing, I believe, a lot of recording, all that kind of stuff. What what is a day in the life of John Rod like? Yeah, actually, <clears throat> actually, no composing. Uh, okay. I leave that. I leave that to the talented people. Uh, <laughs> but but composers hire me, and <clears throat> I've been freelance now for ten years. Uh, before that, I worked on the 20th Century Fox uh, scoring stage on the Fox lot um, here in Los Angeles for seven years as the scoring recordist. Um, but my freelance life is that composers hire me. And whatever needs to happen, happens. And by that I mean sometimes there's recording that needs to be done, and I'll go and record wherever suits the project best, uh, be it here in Los Angeles or anywhere around the world. Um, and oftentimes there's music mixing to be done, and sometimes there's music mastering to be done, which is the very final polish of, of making the music just the levels and the very sort of surgical nips and tucks, the very... Final plastic surgery, if you will, on the music. So, so, so what all is involved in in the kind of mixing and mastering? I think a lot of people have a, a good grasp of you know composing your your writing music, um, but you know you're kind of prepping it to actually be in the game or the the movie. So, what what all are you doing in that? That's right. Um, 
basically, I always have a, a, a discussion with the composer who's, hire, who's hired me. I have a, a discussion, you know, where is it going? Does it need to be stereo or does it need to be surround sound? You know, medium and large budget films are surround sound for the, for the music these days. Hmm. Um, and I'm always considering, you know, is it a drama? Is it an emotional tearjerker with soft, gentle music? Or is it sort of an exciting, you know, uh, kick-butt kind of thing with rockets and explosions and stuff. So I'm always thinking about what the music's going to live with in the project, be it um, a TV show or uh, a film or a video game, or I do some album work as well. And then I also get to know the score that the composer has done, and I also need to know what's their style, what's their aesthetic, both overall and for that project. So in other words, does it need to be bright and aggressive and, and harsh sounding music or does it need to be gentle and soft and pillowy and you know or, or in between or you know mixtures of both so ultimately I'm I, you could consider me a sculptor and I, I take the music uh, all the live audio tracks you know microphones in front of instruments um, or the, the sounds they've created in their studio or the virtual instruments basically all the separate audio tracks from wherever they come from, stuff that I've recorded, stuff that comes from all over the world, and I shape it and sculpt it so the composer loves how their music sounds, and ultimately so the music sounds great in the project, and, and their clients love how the music sounds, and everyone is, is doing high fives, and, and it sounds great in the final product. So you have kind of like the hardest musical job, because not only do you have to take what's given to you, you have to make sure that everybody who has anything to do with it actually likes what it sounds like. <laughs> well, I, I, most, I most certainly wouldn't say that I have the hardest musical job. I, I think composers, well, in fact, I know for a fact, composers have to deal with lots of agendas and lots of producers and lots of opinions. And my composer clients, you know, I, I quietly hear off the record, you know, mumblings and grumblings occasionally about, you know, they wanted 15 revisions to the composition or, or, uh, or, or whatever else. Um, I'm very lucky in that I work, you know, very closely with the composer, and a lot of the nonsense is filtered by the poor composers, and I, uh, I really get to focus on the sculpture. And of course, what I do, as I said, has to please everybody, and it has to suit the the project. But, um, you know, I keep coming back to the word sculpture, and and I I really enjoy it, and and technology allows me to make revisions quickly and get different styles and and. Uh, you know, different different types of of, uh, of sounds of the music, if, if you will. So it, it certainly is something that most people may not be familiar with. Music engineers. Mm-hmm. How do you handle it when you've got you know you you've kind of mastered or you, you've done a revision of a song or a piece, and the composer likes it, but then say you know the the project manager, the the guy who's you know in charge of Star Wars Battlefront, for example example he's like you know what i'm not really digging this this doesn't fit this way how do you go about working with a lot of competing i guess musical ideologies that would seem to clash all the time how, how do you how do you I, I my brain's kind of scrambled just even trying to think about how many different people with you know different musical tastes and stuff like that that how do you make it all work together and, and have a cohesive song at the end yeah. Um, well, there are a couple of things in my favor. Um, the things that are in my favor is that um, very often the music uh, informs how the final mix is going to sound. In other words, if there are bright, edgy electric guitars, I mean, there certainly were not in 
yay, Star Wars Battlefront. But, you know, the, the, the arrangement, the musical composition and orchestration certainly informs, uh, you know, the, the path to a musical mix. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of answering your question. Um, the other thing is, is that the composer uh, is really in charge of producing the score, at least in... In, in, in most of the genres that I work in, film, television, um, and oftentimes records, although I don't do that much record stuff. But the, the composer really is in charge of producing the score. And uh, most often the, the film editors or the game you know, sound supervisors or, or department heads or, or what have you, they really trust the composer to... Uh, to, to do the right thing. It's also the age of mock-ups, too, that the composer will have generally mocked up, you know, done a sort of a rough approximation of the composition, you know, with fake strings, if the real strings are going to be added later, that kind of a thing. And so the whole production team has a pretty good idea of how things are, are going to sound, how the score is going to sound. So, you know, with the power of the computers and the virtual instruments, um, these days... You know, it, it, no one's too surprised. In other words, it's not—it's not like John Williams. There's a famous anecdote where uh, he plays, you know, the Jaws theme, you know, the two notes, da 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 da. He plays it on the piano to Spielberg and says, "Trust me, it'll sound great." And Spielberg's like, "Okay, great." You know, that's that's a really <laughs> big leap of—that's a tremendous leap of faith to think two notes on a piano to you know this really scary score, an effective score in the movie Jaws. So everyone else <laughs> these days is mocking stuff up to a very polished degree. And I always listen to the rough mix as well, listen to the mock-up. And I, I keep that in mind. And one of the questions I always ask the composer uh, up front is, so on this particular piece of music, do you like your rough mix and your mock-up, or is it pretty rough? And you know, can I go to town on this and explore hmm. different sonic possibilities, if that makes sense? How different can it sound when you are kind of editing what instruments are, are kind of being heard and, uh, I guess, just generally mastering the, the track? How, how different can one version sound from another? Um, really tremendously different. For, uh, you know, there's, there's just a, an, an enormous, uh, enormous range of what can be done. Um, I have a very nice commercial studio for mixing and mastering music um, with tons of horsepower and tons of, of actual hardware, you know, EQs and compressors and things for shaping the sound, sort of like a home stereo times a million. Mm -hmm. um, to, to give you an example, if there was a lead vocal in a piece of music, the lead vocal could be, the singer could be very dry and upfront and, and intimate, or else you could put artificial reverb, you know, like a big uh, parking garage kind of echo sound. You could put a whole lot of reverb on a singer and tuck them way back in the mix and make the singer very ethereal and far away. And you could do that with any instrument. Um, so, you know, and that's just one instrument out of, say, 50 or 100. So there's really a, a, a limitless possibility for sound sculpting for, for music. With uh, EA Star Wars Battlefront, we had our, our marching orders up front, and that was a, a bit unusual in that. Um, Unlike when I was working with uh, Jesper Kidd on Assassin's Creed, I, I did three Assassin's Creed scores with Jesper Kidd. Those are very much, you know, a sandbox to play in, and hey, you know, we've got all these awesome things, and let's really shape things and bring things in and out. And, and it was just a wonderful collaboration. 
um, working with Jesper on those games. It was fantastic. Whereas EA's Star Wars Battlefront, it was much more clear what we had to do in the mixing and mastering of the score, of Gordy Hab's score, because in the game they're using some of the John Williams original music, but it also goes in and out of Gordy Hab's new, oh, they're calling it the original score. Um, it's the new score. And, and sonically, it had to be able to go from John Williams to Gordy Hab's music and back and forth and back and forth, one after another, and not be jarring to the listener. Sure. I was going to ask, how closely did he, does he have to, uh, do you guys have to stick to that kind of, uh, the, the, the John Williams Star Wars? Because obviously everybody knows that. So I have to, I have to think that what, that will, you know, like kind of Gordy had to do coming into this and what you got to do kind of mixing it is, is make sure that that, that feeling is still there while still providing, like, this is what happens in the other 30 minutes of the fight. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 Gordy's had some great interviews, uh, and I, I won't speak for Gordy, but I'm, I'm familiar with the process. And, and I know that in terms of, I mean, composition and, and sound mixing or score mixing are two very separate things. In terms of composition, it's my understanding that Gordy... You know, studied the John Williams scores and orchestration, and, and Gordy himself is a master of composition and orchestration. So he wanted to do it in the style of John Williams, but he had to come up with tons of new themes for new things and new areas of the game and new new stuff. So you know, Gordy really did original score and tons of it. Uh, I can't mention uh, an exact figure, but it was tons and tons and tons of new music. But sonically. Uh, I had to really match the John Williams film scores because, as I said, it needs to flow from John Williams sounding music to Gordy Hobb sounding music and, and not jar the uh, the listener. In other words, you know, the, the music couldn't be sonically different. The composition style's similar, but the way I mixed it and mastered it had to be very much in the same ballpark. How do you go about doing something like that? I mean, is it just a lot of listening to one and then just tweaking sound levels to try to get it as close to you know what it sounds like in your ears? Or is there some sort of software that you're using that's telling you, yeah, these are, are really close now sonically? How, how does that work? Yeah, uh, great question. I, I wish there was software that could do my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love that software. Um, what it is is that, that well, the, the good news, and uh, you know, this is in the end credits of the game, so I can say this. There's certain things I can't talk about, but this is in the end credits of the game. The orchestra was the London Symphony Orchestra, and the recording room was Abbey Road Studio One, and those are the same... That's the exact same orchestra and recording space as was most of the Star Wars films, the John Williams scores. Hmm. Most, of, most of them were done in that room with that orchestra. So uh, in, in a big live orchestral thing with the orchestras playing all together at once, the sound of the room is uh, a very large part of how the score sounds. Um, now, I, I, I volunteer lecture um, uh, various places to help young and upcoming composers uh, through various organizations that I'm uh, affiliated with. And the example I always use is that if, if, if one was to take a string quartet, you know, just a four musicians, string quartet, and put them in a tiled bathroom and record them in a small tiled bathroom, no matter what you did, with artificial ambience, reverb, 
mixing, no matter what you did, it would still sound like a quartet in a tiled bathroom. It would still sound horrible. <laughs> uh, so the other end of the spectrum is the London Symphony Orchestra in Abbey Road. In the big room, it sounds fantastic. Um, but for me, the trick is there are main microphones uh, that are picking up the overall picture, and then there are also sectional mics, spot mics. For example, a mic on the first violins, or maybe two mics on the first violins, the whole section. And there might be one mic on the second violins, and there might be one mic on the violas, or, or what have you. And, you know, a few mics on the celli, you know, a few mics back in the percussion section. And, uh, you know, it's a big orchestra playing all at the same time. And that's the main trick for me is balancing the level of the spot mics to the level of the room mics. Because if I push up the spot mics too much, it's going to sound weirdly out of balance and it's, it's going to sound too close and it's going to lose its sense of depth and of size. But if I was to only use the room microphones, it would sound too far away mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have the right amount of presence um, to, and uh, detail. And, you know, with a lot of fast lines and a lot of fast notes and melodies and really intricate counterpoints and, and harmonies in, in the awesome score that Gordy wrote, it's really important to get that detail, especially when it's in EA Star Wars Battlefront. And there's, you know, all these mayhem and excitement and other, you know, dialogue and sound effects happening. So uh, I most certainly, a bunch of times, went back to the original... Uh, Star Star Wars, the John Williams scores. Um, a lot of times it was Phantom Menace, but we certainly went through various bits of the of the of the canon of the catalog. And Gordy himself has a great understanding and a great ear and a great awareness of the sound of the Star Wars world. You know, uh, we, we worked together on uh, Star Wars Connect, and uh, so we, we worked on a number of things together over the years. So. You know, Gordy is uh, certainly, you know, sitting with me while we're mixing and we'll occasionally, you know, when we, we're doing the fine mix polishing, he'll say, okay, let's bar 57, let's turn up that one percussion thing just a little bit and, you know, well, maybe here I think that flute's getting a little bit too loud, let's turn that down a bit. And, and we definitely collaborate and work together on every note of the score very quickly and efficiently, but we want to polish it so it, it sounds true to the spirit of Star Wars. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. How do you how do you decide when something sounds Star Warsy enough? <laughs> um, well, the the it's uh, I'm not trying to be humble or just uh, praise my client Gordy, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's really it's in the writing and it's in the orchestration. I mean okay. it, that that that's uh, that's the most important thing, and. Uh, Gordy's getting a lot of uh, attention for the score, and, and rightfully so. It's just fantastic. Um, a while back, um, someone heard some of Gordy's stuff that was for uh, another Star Wars game, and his eyebrows sort of went up. And this is a very experienced composer, and he, he said in a very flattering way, he said, wow, that's almost more John Williams than John Williams. And that, that was that was a musical compliment. <laughs> that wasn't sure. insulting. That wasn't insulting anybody. No, absolutely. But, <laughs> that, that yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't want to be clear. I don't. You know, uh, John Williams is. Uh, I, I've met him only once or twice, but he seems pretty spry. He could probably kick my butt. But um, <laughs> but uh, it's really the the writing and the orchestration, and then I just need to 
make sure that it 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 uh, it sounds right. And I'm not going to say it's easy. You know, in a big room with all those microphones, it's a little bit of a house of cards. You know, if you if you if I start to push up any of the spot mics the tiniest bit too much, the whole mix image starts to pull one side or the other, and it starts to sound out of balance. And it's for me, my consideration is you know left to right width and front to back width and depth and and size, and you know when it's when it's right. It's pretty obvious. It's it sounds pretty awesome. Can I tell you uh, one uh, one personal sort of uh, uh, anecdote for for me working on uh, absolutely the Star- EA Star Wars Battlefront? Been babbling on about uh, music engineering. So uh, true story, and this story has come to light recently. When I was 11 years old, uh, I'm dating myself here. It was 1977, and I wanted to go see the film. Star Wars, the first one, 1977. And my mom thought maybe it was too violent. She didn't know. She just, you know, knew there it was science fiction. And this is, you know, before the age of the internet, of course. So, yeah, And at that point, how could you know? It, sure. Exactly, exactly. There's no way of knowing. And, you know, so my parents thought maybe it was going to be too grown up for me. So they didn't want me to go to see Star Wars. And I, I somehow knew about it, and I desperately wanted to see it. So I, I, I said, Mom, I'm going to go clean my room. And <laughs> I went to my room, and I climbed out the second-story window of my bedroom, removed the screen from the inside, hopped over to another part of the roof to a ladder that I had left there, and I went down the ladder, and I went downtown in my hometown, and I went to see Star Wars by myself. <laughs> and uh, it, it just it completely blew my mind. It was, you know, was, I'd never seen anything like it. And it was just incredible. The combination of the humor and the excitement and the adventure and all the personalities. And I remember about halfway through the film, I was racked with guilt. Because I realized that if my mother, you know, checked in on me, I would be missing... And I envisioned her calling the police and, you know, who knows what. So I, I went to a payphone and I called her and I said, Mom, I'm, I snuck out of the house, which I'd never done before in that way. I snuck out of the house. I'm, uh, I'm downtown watching the movie you didn't want me to see. And she said, well, John, um, I'm not very happy about that, but you really need to think about what your punishment's going to be because you're going to pick it. And it was a complete mind twist for me because she'd never pulled this on me before. And I, I'm like, I have to get to pick my own punishment? That was a whole, you know, psychological thing for an 11-year-old. So I went back to see the movie, and I, I really enjoyed it. But I spent the second half of the movie wondering what on earth I could pick my punishment to be. I, I forget what it was. But uh, anyway, seeing the film, I was just amazed. And I knew I wanted to be somehow in in special effects or in filmmaking or in music or in something. And I'm just beyond thrilled not only to be a music engineer, which was always a dream of mine as well, but now to be working on various games in the Star Wars universe. It's just tremendous fun. Sounds like it. That's that's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That is that is pretty fantastic. Now now working on on Battlefront, uh, you mentioned you know previously you've, you've done work on a number of different games. One of them being uh, some of them in the Assassin's Creed series. What is it like mixing for a game that's that's multiplayer versus mixing for something that's you know more single player oriented? Where 
uh, I guess you know often you're you're trying to drive the player's attention to one direction um, because you know their their story beats and stuff like that. With, with multiplayer, you know it's it's all kinds of chaos. Like how do you how do you make music that fits a game where essentially you know a battle can go either way at any moment? You know you're you're not writing for for something that you can see and, and script. Yeah, when um, when I'm mixing, this may sound surprising to you, but in terms of how I sh- shape the music in terms of mixing and mastering or whatever I'm doing in terms of being a music engineer, um, there really isn't a difference. It's uh, what happens inside the game engine, other people, not me, but other people at the developers, uh, that would be DICE, uh, they have amazing things in the game engine that can account for that and can change which piece of music on the fly very, very smoothly can fade between different pieces of music and different energy levels of music so the players get a great experience. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, in terms of scoring, it's fairly old-fashioned in some situations. Uh, in, in terms of some other games, have different levels different layers of music you know like a stealth excite different things that that switch back and forth but the nature of you know big orchestra isn't really conducive to that so it's really all about the game engine that i'm not a part of programming that people much smarter than i are doing the the <laughs> under, under the hood kind of stuff the final implementation um of the music into the game how it works so uh, basically, Gordy had to write tons and tons and tons of different music, and then I would shape it, make it sound fantastic, and make it sound completely in the Star Wars universe, and then it gets handed back to DICE, and they work their magic. And so that way the gameplay is fantastic, no matter what happens in the game. It's the game engine takes care of that. Okay. Gotcha. I, I always wondered if, if you're mixing a bunch of five-second songs and being like, okay, if you fit them this way together, then it all works. But if you don't, then it all falls apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's a fair question. Um, for this kind of big live orchestral stuff, it, it, it compositionally or musically wouldn't work in five-second chunks. It would just sure. be too, uh, too jarring. And, you know, um, some musical styles... Uh, themes are not so important, uh, more about energy and, and what, what have you, but in the Star Wars world especially, you know, the different themes, melodies that are recurring um, that are, are used here and there, and so that's, that, that's how it works. So it's, it's longer chunks of music, well, certainly longer than five seconds. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm trying to remember back to the shortest piece, I'm trying to think back to the shortest piece of music in Battlefront, I honestly, off the top of my head, couldn't say. But I would say that the pieces of music tended to be, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe anywhere between one minute and four minutes. It's a complete okay. complete guess off the top of my head. I, I can't exactly remember. So you, you mentioned that you went back to um, a lot of episode one for kind of inspiration and uh, kind of matching the uh, the music to William's score uh, is how did you go about picking those pieces? Was it just were you trying to match it to particular 
parts of the Williams score that you were using in the game, or were you going back to you know various different scores to try to get everything to to match up? Um, when it came to checking Sonic references for how no. it's mixing and mastering um, EA Star Wars Battlefront, that's the great thing about Gordy Hab is that he's he's been eat, eating, sleeping, and breathing Star Wars for years now, literally for years. And uh, he has a crazy memory um, and understanding of everything that John Williams has ever written in the Star Wars world. And so, you know, if we were going into a battle queue or something, and if there was a question, for a specific example, like if there was a question, you know, how loud, how present and how loud should we have those snare drums, he might say, oh, well, let's let's check this one John Williams queue and see what they did over there, mm-hmm. just for the, the loudness and the, the, the presence um, of the snare drums, for example, just to make sure it was wasn't too far away and wasn't too close, okay. s- sounding. Um, and so, yeah, that, I, I would always rely on Gordy because he always knew exactly the right similar piece of music to listen to, just for the sound of it, not for composition at all, but just for the how the music was mixed and mastered. Um, now, you mentioned that you, you've worked on a, a couple of other games. Uh, just for for reference, besides Assassin's Creed, what are some of the other uh, games and movies that you, you've actually worked on? Yeah. Um, I've had a, a great career, I guess. I've been a music engineer for going on 30 years now and worked on all sorts of different things, uh, both recording music and mixing music and mastering music. Um, back when I was at Fox... As the scoring recordist, uh, some amazing projects came through the Fox scoring stage. Uh, for example, uh, all three of the Matrix films came through, and that was just tremendous fun, especially the first one, because we'd never seen anything like the first Matrix film. It was just incredible. Sure. Um, in the past 10 years, going free, uh, since I've been freelance for the past 10 years, uh, I did some work on Breaking Bad with uh, composer Dave Porter, and I just love that TV show. I recently did a, a film that's not out yet with Dave Porter for Universal. Um, I've done a bunch of work on an ongoing basis for Blizzard in the World of Warcraft uh, universe. I, I, I have a bunch of music mixing work uh, that I do with uh, Blizzard, most notably the Warcraft stuff, but in some other other projects as well. Uh, I worked on Call of Duty Black Ops 2, uh, worked on Mass Effect 3, um, so, no. Lots, um, lots of different things. There, there are a lot of similarities between, uh, especially the first Mass Effect and uh, Star Wars. What was it like kind of mixing a, a completely different type of science fiction game versus, you know, Star Wars? What? Uh, not necessarily how do you differentiate between the two because they're obviously different, but how do you go about, I guess, accentuating the, the differences in something that's you know, is as similar yet to different as Mass Effect is to Star Wars. Yeah, um, I was working for composer Sam Hulick on Mass Effect 3, and that was a very uh, synthy score, sort of a retro um, techno kind of synthy kind of score, so mm-hmm. not orchestral in the least. And uh, it was tremendous fun. I, I love working with Sam. And it's, it's really, I guess as I said before, the music kind of informs the direction, the, the music composition and orchestration leads me down a path and gives me a really good idea of where to go. I, of course, do what I think is appropriate, but it's always a collaboration with the composer, uh, and I'm saying, you know, what do you think about 
you know, this loudness and this aggressiveness and this sound and, uh, you know, what do you think? And then we sort of work it out together. Um, I think the bottom line is that ultimately, you know, my starting point is what I think sounds great. And I'm very fortunate in that a lot of people seem to agree with me <laughs> in terms of my composers. <laughs> it's, you know, my, my work's very enjoyable. I, I just, I, I, I trust my gut and I, and I do what I think is right. And, you know, there may be little revisions. There are always little revisions here and there, but by and large, you know, it's not a struggle. I, I feel very fortunate that my instincts are good musically. Um, and then you, you mentioned uh, science fiction. I also did the science fiction film Elysium a few years back, and I've also been doing a bunch of recording for composer uh, Freddie Weedman on the Batman uh, versus Robin and uh, Justice League Gods, Gods and Monsters and a lot of stuff in the Justice League um, uh, universe. So, you know, doing a bunch of recording for Frederick Weedman on that. So really a, a wide variety of music styles, which I, I really enjoy. It's just tremendous fun. But what is it like when you're kind of going back and forth, if, if you're working on multiple projects at once, how do you transition between something that's very orchestral, like uh, Battlefront, versus you know maybe something that's completely different? Is it is it hard for you to make that transition and, back and, and almost forth? almost as important? Have you ever accidentally put a Batman piece of music into something else? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I uh, due to client confidentiality and, and privacy, I. I work very hard and I succeed at not giving people the wrong thing. That's for sure. Um, it's it's uh, I, I love working in different genres. It's uh, it's tremendous fun. I, you know, I, some people work for a living and and I just love what I do and I feel very very lucky. I get to play with you know the hardware that I work with and the tools. I get to listen to music all day and you know sometimes go record musicians and and I hang out with really cool people. And uh, it's tremendous fun. And in fact, I love, I just love all the different styles of music I work with, even in one day, uh, because I can recall all the gear in my studio when I am working at my studio. I can recall all the equipment, the EQ and the compressors, the reverbs, all the, you know, things that are shaping the sound for me. I can recall them all in about five minutes. And so literally in the space of a couple of hours, I might be working on something purely orchestral. I might be doing something electronica. I might be doing a rock thing. Um, you know, hip hop, you know, every style, and it's sometimes it's like a, uh, sometimes it's as good as having a strong coffee. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's a bit of a shock. That sounds completely different. Wow, that woke me up. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's a great life. I'm I'm very very lucky, and sometimes I get to travel to go record ensembles in different parts of the world, or or here in Los Angeles, and uh, I, I'm just living the dream. I'm I'm a very very lucky person. I know on the uh, on the writing end of things, like for screenwriting and stuff, they have a lot of uh, some things can go through a lot of different revisions and pass through a lot of different hands. Have you ever um, kind of come in to pick up a mix and kind of uh, like fix it or get it going in the right in, in not the right direction, but in the uh, more of the direction of the way the the director was seeing it? Yeah, I I have been brought in on uh, on a couple of occasions in my career um, when. The, the, the team wasn't happy with, you know, the the, the last uh, person's work, and they wanted me to have a crack at it. And uh, uh, I would generally, um, it's sort of like building a house. I would generally not try to put paint on an almost finished house. I would try to quickly build the house my way. 
uh, you know, because the you, you don't you don't know if the floorboards are really put in the right way and if the foundation is solid. And I'm very fast and very efficient at this point in the game, and I, I have been for a long time. So if if I'm called in to do you know my spin on things, uh, it would generally not be just polishing someone else's work. And that's also in a creative sense that's kind of um, frowned upon in, in our business. You know, if you're hiring someone to to, to mix or to master a project, you kind of want their spin on it. And uh, it's like ice cream. You know, some people like Haagen-Dazs, some people like Ben & Jerry's. You know, their boutique ice creams. There's uh, a great place in Santa Barbara that has amazing uh, ice cream that I've forgotten their name. But um, So it's like you, you want different flavors. Hmm. So on a couple of occasions, I have been, uh, been handed some stuff and say, hey, you know, we'd like to see what you do. Um, and sometimes, uh, very occasionally, it's a shootout. That, that's very, very rare. But sometimes, it'll be discussed as, "Hey, we're looking for someone to do this. Can you do, you know, can you mix or can you master one piece of music, and we'll see what you think." But at this kind of like an audition for for kind of the job, as it were. Um, usually, um, not so much an audition, but usually, you know, we're not sure you know, who we're going to have do this project. But that's that's more in terms of mastering. In terms of mixing, you know, my style is pretty established. But very, very occasionally, um, it'll go out to a couple different mastering engineers. And mastering is just the final polish. It's a different process than mixing. Mixing is, um, mixing is taking all the sounds and putting it into a mix. Mastering is just doing the fine polishing on that finished mix. Um, but but as I, as I want to stress, those sort of, you know, shootouts or or uh, comparisons or hey, let's have John have a crack at it. Those are very, very, very rare. Maybe one time in two hundred. Maybe one time in three hundred. I'm I, probably even higher than that. Um, people know me and people know my style and my personality. And uh, I'm very fortunate that my phone keeps ringing and people keep wanting to do stuff with me. And I love the composers that I get to work with and collaborate with. And it's. Uh, it's a great hang. It's, it, it, part of it comes down to personality and style, and you know, it's, what I do is really an alchemy of technical and creative. You know, uh, the, the, there's there's no manual for what I do. <laughs> there's no rule book or guidebook or you know, there's no A B C D procedure. You mm-hmm. can. You know, skin a cat a lot of different ways. Not that I would actually want to skin a cat, but I, 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 think, I think you know what I'm. <laughs> I think you know what I'm Every, saying. Everybody's wanted to at one point or another. <laughs> yes, yes, especially at midnight when it's making sound. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I keep coming back to the word sculpture, and you know, you take the raw materials, and there are lots of different ways you could sculpt the music, uh, both in the uh, in the recording process, and the mixing process, and in the mastering process. So that's that's really what I do is I sculpt things to make the music sound great but to make the composer happy, but also to sound great in the project. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Random question, completely different from anything we've talked about so far. Have you seen The Force Awakens yet? I have. I won't give any spoilers, but I Oh, sure, yeah, no no spoilers. (laughs) Were were you able to see see it before it came out, or did you have to wait with the rest of us? Oh, I'm just a common person. I had to. Okay. I had to wait. Uh, <laughs> saw it a couple of days ago with my wife, and and really enjoyed it. I I, I really thought it was 
terrific, and it, uh, you know, I, I think it really hit a lot of the marks. Um, and I enjoy the spirit of it. I enjoyed John Williams' score, and uh, I thought it was great. You know, I, it's a Star Wars film. It's a certain thing, uh, it, 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 but I think within that world, I think it fit in well. I don't know. What did you guys think? Uh, I I enjoyed it. I, it took me it took me a while of thinking about it, but to kind of come around on it in some ways because it was. It, I don't want to say I was off put, but it was a little shocking how much of an homage it was to uh, to the first movie uh, in particular, but really the all of the original trilogy. But eventually, I realized that you know it kind of had to be because they they had to regain everybody's trust in making Star Wars movies. And in that, I think they succeeded because you're right. It is a Star Wars movie through and through. And to me, I I can't completely say that about the prequel trilogy. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it is like, it is to its core, a Star Wars movie is the like highest praise that you can give it because it, it is absolutely. Yeah, and and expectations were off the chart high. Oh yeah, um, you know I know J.J. Abrams is is great at rebooting things. Most people think, and, and myself included. And uh, you know I uh, again no spoilers, but I, I wondered how they were going to capture, you know, and if they were going to be able to capture the spirit um, of of the, of the first trilogy, and uh, and I think I think they really did, and it was it was fun and exciting and you know built a whole new platform but at the same time was very i think respectful of the first trilogy and mm-hmm. uh yeah it was it was impressive i think i think what was what was really neat about it and and it, it's somebody else's words and I, I completely forget who i where it was that i saw this but um uh when the with the first star wars even when we you know like i saw it as a kid um not in the theaters on on like my mom's vhs tapes Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a mystery to what was going on. This was a this was a great new world. Um, these you know th- there was a, a super dark villain. Um, there were heroes, but uh, you know watching it for the first time, there were there was a lot of stuff to to kind of experience and to find out. And with the prequels, um, there really wasn't any mystery there. We knew where that story was, where it had to go, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of cool stuff to find on the journey, and. Even though a lot of that was kind of, you know, they, they could be said they, part of it was mucked up. Um, it, it was still, they, it wasn't mysterious. It was just, it was bright, it was shiny, it wasn't, it, it didn't have any of that kind of, like, you know, that, that, that sci-fi-ness to it. It was just there. Um, but with this one, there's there's a, there's a mystery to it again. Um, we don't know where it's going. We don't know what they're going to do to it, what, who, you know, a lot of these characters are. Where are they coming from? Um, we're kind of back to that that same edge that we had with the original trilogy. And I think, I think that goes a long way to, to kind of making things uh, right as it were. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. And, and I think the, the heaviest burden of uh, this latest star Wars film, the heaviest weight is that we all know so much about star Wars and it's so much a part of our culture and our, our, our language and our shared experience that, it, it couldn't just be fresh and new and exciting out of the blue because it, it came with this historical weight. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I think they navigated that very, very well, you know, uh, sort of nods to the past and, and yet, you know, things for the future. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was impressed. Um, 
one of the hardest things working on EA Star Wars Battlefront was that because of non-disclosure agreements, I couldn't tell anyone at all about my involvement with the project, mm-hmm. even though you know Gordy had been working on it for a very very long time, uh, and, and I I had been doing work with him on it as well for a very long time, and so to finally have the game out, have my name in the credits, there it's it's historical fact I can talk about it, is a great I release. did this. <laughs> That's right. I did it. Hey, yeah, that really awesome thing that I've been working on, and uh, I can talk about it. And similarly, speaking of Star Wars, I can talk about it now because the, the information is leaked, but I, I had the great pleasure of working on a video game that unfortunately was put on on hold, long-term hold, is Star Wars 1313. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Star Wars 1313. It was LucasArts. Oh, absolutely. And that, that was actually something I wanted to, to ask you about. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us anything about Star Wars 1313? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, given that LucasArts has been shut down, um, I, I can... I, I, and also, a bunch of this information finally came out on websites and stuff. I can tell you what his come out on websites and so forth, but Star Wars 1313 was all about Boba Fett and it was dark and it was underground it, in level 1313 and, and there was no force and, and it was a, a very dark uh, game all about Boba Fett, the bounty hunter and the fans have been asking for this kind of thing for a long, long time and it was a wonderful creation of the whole team at LucasArts. And it was also ILM was involved. And it was an incredible collaboration of uh, ILM and LucasArts. And I, I believe, if I recall correctly, even Lucasfilm people were involved as well. And, um, and it was just a tremendous game. And uh, I flew to Abbey Road and did some recording with the composer Jesse Harlan. And... Uh, uh, Gordy Hab was actually was orchestrating on that. Uh, um, Jesse and Gordy go way back, and so it was just it was, it was tremendously cool music and a really cool project. And they uh, debuted uh, seven minutes of gameplay at E3, and it won all sorts of E3 awards and got tons of attention and tons of press. And people were really excited about Star Wars 1313, as you, you may have seen. This was a, a few years back. I was and, one of them. Uh, you were one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really was. I mean, I you know, I saw, I, I was um, taken into LucasArts, and I saw tons of concept art for inspiration for the sound of, of what I was going to do in terms of the recording and mixing and mastering of that score. And I saw, like I said, I, I, I met with people, and I saw tons of concept art, and it was just phenomenal. It was really exciting. Now, of course, Disney acquiring the whole uh, IP, and then closing down LucasArts, unfortunately. Uh, but Kathleen Kennedy uh, was recently quoted from what I saw on a website, I believe, what I read on the internet, so it's probably maybe true. believe everything she read on the internet, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, was mm-hmm. a fairly good, it was a fairly good source. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> supposedly she was quoted as saying, you know, we're looking at the Star Wars 1313 world, and we're not, you know, ruling out that that may eventually see the light of day. And I, I personally would love that because it was just terrific work um, and a really exciting thing. So um, I was really upset and disappointed for everyone on the whole team, myself included, when LucasArts was closed and 
1313 was put on the shelf. Uh, but, you know, I can, I, I can live in hope that sometime it would uh, resurrect itself. Of course, it was really a, a team effort, of course, but it was a tremendously gifted team of people working on 1313. And it's, it's my understanding that, you know, it was really a creation of all the people that had their hands on it. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't just another video game. It really was a very special group of people working at the top of their game with all of their passion, all their efforts. So, um, you know, it's my understanding that, sure, 1313 could, could get remade as a game, but it wouldn't be the original team, so it, it wouldn't be the same game as what it was going to be. And I imagine that a lot of the, you know, obviously there's nothing we can confirm right now, but I imagine that a lot of the... The, the concepts could be carried over to something like what you know, like what Amy Henning's working on, um, with with, uh, with Visceral and AA, or uh, or what um, uh, Jay Raymond was brought in to kind of helm. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. I, 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 I understand you have to stay mum. I'm not even. <laughs> <just wanna> ask, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I know how that goes, but that's yeah. that, that says more than enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it was just. Uh, I mean, you know, Star Wars Connect was terrific to do with with Gordy Hab and uh I mean Star Wars Connect was a whole lot of fun and uh and it is a, a really fun family game and I uh, you know play it with my daughter and my wife on occasion on the rare occasion that I have time to uh do any video game stuff with my family I'm usually working or you know family stuff um other family stuff but um yeah um and I recently did uh, I guess I can t- yeah I can talk about this uh, because it was announced, um, I re- recently worked <laughs> a- a- again with with Jesse Harlan and uh, Gordy Hab as well on um, the old uh, the old Republic. So Which I'm been... actually playing, not currently, but currently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, to be specific, Star Wars: The Old Republic: Knights of the Fallen Empire. Right. Is that the um, the new, new expansion, expansion featuring yeah. the the twins? Yes. Nice. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really cool trailer that they they showed off. Yeah, I feel like a really long time ago now. I don't remember when that was announced. I say it was uh, like summertime. That's very well, cool. Be um, a little before that. Quick question back to uh, to thirteen thirteen. Since in a lot of ways it was <laughs> such a a departure, kind of uh, in in terms of atmosphere. What was it like? Did, did you actually get to do anything with any? Uh, music specifically written for thirteen thirteen, and and if so, what what did that kind of sound like? Being such a, a different part of the the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I um, yeah, I forget the exact minute count, but yeah, we did the beginning part. Um, uh, Jesse Harlan composed it, and uh, um, Gordy Hab orchestrated it, and we did the beginning part of the music for Star Wars thirteen thirteen, and it was just. Tremendous! It was just a great, exciting, um, a new thing. It, it wasn't straight orchestral. It had a lot of other sounds and and stuff that was just great and, and different orchestrations and really creative stuff. So uh, yeah, just great stuff. Brian, do you have any other questions no. uh, about Battlefront? Or I'm ready to get onto this end game. I we've crafted right. these questions lovingly in the last hour that we've been speaking um and so i'm i'm very happy to to pick your brain about um all kinds of things that might not or might have stuff to do with star wars battlefront we will see we'll see what the answers are but so uh we call it the end game 
Uh, it's a little questionnaire. Uh, here we go. Uh, question number one. Um, obviously, uh, going back to your um, flirtation uh, with criminal enterprise and going to go see uh, Star Wars um, when you were 11, um, who, in your estimation, uh, what, what character uh, makes Star Wars for you? Oh, gosh, that's a remarkably tough question. Uh, <laughs> that... uh, we should have warned you, these are not easy. They're, they're personal and completely your opinion, but they're difficult and will make you think. So. Yeah. yeah, gosh. I'm trying to uh, think back to the uh, 11-year-old me seeing Star Wars for the, for the first time. Um, I would, this is going to seem like a predictable answer, but in a way... I would say Han Solo, in terms of his, you know, his personality, his humor, his not caring about certain things, but then coming around and being a hero in the end. Um, I, I, for, for me, especially the eleven-year-old me, I think I was most blown away by Han Solo. But you know, Luke's innocence and and uh, just the whole ensemble. You know, movies these days often don't have that kind of ensemble chemistry, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll, I think Han Solo is my final answer. Great. Accepted. All right. All right. Uh, random uh, second question that is a subset of that one just because uh, they're apparently making a Han Solo anthology movie, which will have a young Han Solo in it. Who would you want to be young Han Solo? Wow. Um, that's also a tough question. I, that's sort of... I mean, it's a good thing I'm not a casting director because I would. I would <laughs> yeah, that's I would, that, I would, that is an impossible job. It, yeah, it, it yeah. really is. I mean, I know that one of his. Son, uh, I know he has one son. I don't know how many other kids that Harrison Ford has, but I know that one of his sons is a chef and uh, ran a, a very nice restaurant in Culver City uh, for ten years, and just, they moved on. But you know, he's he's not an actor, as far as I know. He's a he's a chef. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he could be trained how to act like his dad, a young dad. Um, that's really hard. I couldn't even imagine of who I would ever pick to be a young Han Solo. Wow. I don't uh, know. Apparently Ben Ford is the uh, the chef. Yes, that's right. That's right. It's, he doesn't really look anything like Han, or Han Solo, <laughs> like Harrison <laughs> Ford. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Sorry, you got it right. That's fine. That's <laughs> Which, you know, technically that means he, he doesn't look anything like Han Solo as well, yes. but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, from the trailers, we all know that uh, Han Solo is in the, the most recent movie. And in the movie theater I was in, the whole audience, there was like a loud gasp and a cheer when and he, when he and Chewie appeared on the screen. The, the audience yeah. basically went nuts. Same, same here. It was, uh, and it was kind of funny because... It's the the moment that you meet them is uh, very similar to the moment that they were revealed in the trailer, where they're they're on the Millennium Falcon and and, and everything, and it's when, when everybody just erupted. I was like, you knew this was coming. I mean, like we we saw this before, guys. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's still it's still something to see it on the big screen. Sure, you know, it's Chewie and Han, and they're back. And it's they great. are back. Yep, it is great. Yep. Uh, next question: um, Was there ever a piece um, that you went into to mix um, that you thought, kind of offhand, that hey, you know, this will be real simple, and, and then it it simply wasn't? Um, I would say, 
there, there wasn't one piece of music specifically, uh, but what happens is the very, very, very first piece of music um, of the whole project, which was quite a long time ago, the very, very first piece of music that I had to mix for EA Star Wars Battlefront, I don't remember what it was, but the first one always informs and dictates how the score is going to sound. On any given project, the first piece of music is uh, always the, the trickiest because I have to get everything right and, and setting up reverbs and balances and EQs. And once the first piece of music in any given project, including EA Star Wars Battlefront, is done, then the rest you know, can move along more quickly than that. Uh, but I've got to get the landscape all mapped out and, and set that's, that's neat. Yeah, that's, that, that makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, yeah. Next question. It's kind of a two-parter. Um, what is your favorite instrument to mix? Um, my, I would say my favorite instrument to mix, uh, or record for that matter, is uh, one that's played with passion and with soul. Um, you know, I, I love all sorts of different instruments. But it's really for me about the performance. If if someone is playing an instrument well, and I'm getting to record it or to mix it, and if it's played with real passion, then I'm going to love it. So I'm lo- I'm lucky that <clears throat> there really aren't any instruments that I don't like to record uh, or mix. Actually, bagpipes. Bagpipes are pretty horrible to record. I, I will admit <laughs> to not liking to record bagpipes. I, I have on occasion, and they're... You're pretty nasty sounding. Sorry. Excellent. That, that was that was the second part of the question. Is what, <laughs> what didn't you like to record? So so. Yeah. So music I, soul, soul is soul is best. Uh, bagpipes clearly worst. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm probably offending a pretty small subsection of the world. Have you ever had little... to do any work with a didgeridoo? Uh, let me think about that. I've never. I've never recorded a didgeridoo. I've certainly mixed a didgeridoo. I've never recorded a didgeridoo, but you know they're not really popular in scoring. I gotta say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine they, you know, they serve a very specific subset of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A didgeridoo. All right. Probably the Rayman games, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah really. <laughs> uh, next question. Um, You've been doing music for, for 30 years. You've been working with movies and games. Um, that is certainly, especially based off what you what it came off of as as 11-year-old John Rod, um, that seems like you're living the dream. Um, is there anything in the back of your mind, given no restrictions, um, that you'd ever like to try, any kind of profession or job that you'd love to, to give a pass at? Yeah, if... Um... <clears throat> If uh, if I if I ever couldn't be a music recording and mixing and mastering engineer, I think I would want to be a brewmeister. I think I'd want to be making beer uh, because I enjoy the occasional beer, one or two, very occasionally at the appropriate time. But I, I like the idea of taking just a few ingredients, you know, uh, I guess yeast and sugar and hops and spices on occasion, or whatever, and water. And really, it's all about the craft. It's all about the, the temperature and the time and the balances and, and the method. And I, I guess I enjoy process. So to, uh, you know, I, I think making beer would be uh, an alternate career, although I don't think I'll ever get around to doing that. 
<laughs> so just to complete that with a, a bad pun, you'd, you'd like to mix the ingredients. <laughs> sure. And, yeah. yeah, and and, and, to, and to record how I made uh, that particular bat so I could go back and become a master of my craft. That's right. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next question. Um, you've, you've conquered Star Wars. You've mixed it. Um, is there... It, what's the next franchise that you would that you haven't gotten a chance to work on that you'd love to? Well, I think what well, I've never worked on a Star Wars movie. I've never had that opportunity, um, and uh, it's kind of not really answering your question directly. But I, I would really love to work on a Star Wars movie, and That's given that. <laughs> absolutely accept that <laughs> <laughs> and and given that they have uh you know a whole bunch of uh you know offshoots and sequels planned out ahead given that Gordy Hab is a uh a young uh, composer and full of energy and life and at a certain point uh Maestro Williams may take a pass on on one of these films and uh or you know might might not might not be interested in an offshoot or might be busy doing other things, and I would love for Gordy to have, or for that matter, for Jesse Harlan to have a, a crack at a Star Wars film, or or the two of them, who knows? Um, but I, I would love to to do a Star Wars movie. That would just be fantastic. Excellent. That definitely sounds fantastic. Um, all right, last question. Um, we're going to get a little video gamey here, but that's only in its. Uh, kind of build up, um, but uh, at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad, uh, dutiful Toad, is there um, with the book of your deeds. What would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Oh, golly, um, I would I would love to be told that um, I did good work and I made people happy with. Uh, you know the collaborations and and with the music that I helped bring into the world, and I'd love to be told that you know I did help the community and pay it forward or pay it back, and uh, you know uh, that that I did a good job and and helped people along the way. I, I think that would be would be what what I'd like to hear. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, John, I can tell you, I've played Battlefront. You've done good work. You've made two people at least extremely happy by talking to us tonight, Jonathan. <laughs> Why don't you take us home? Well, John, I just want to thank you again so much for for sitting down with us and talking about all things Star Wars Battlefront and uh, sound mixing and even getting a little 1313 in there. So if you could actually just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about uh, EA Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, well, for EA Star Wars Battlefront, I know they have a great Facebook page that I get uh, all sorts of updates on. So I would uh, definitely check out EA Star Wars Battlefront on their Facebook page. I'm sure they have a webpage as well. And for more information about what I do for music recording and mixing and mastering, just go to johnrod.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, and good luck as you continue to uh, to mix and master your craft, and, and good luck in all of your future endeavors. I hope to, uh, to see you in the credits of, you know, maybe... Star Wars Episode Nine or something. How crazy would that be? I love it. Thanks so much, Jonathan and Brian. It's just been fantastic, and I'm really thrilled to be on Dark Station. And it's been great chatting with you guys today. 